Welcome back to Mari's Music. My name's Mari Rutsch. And I'm Spoon Phillips. And we have a lot to talk about. How are you doing today, Spoon? I'm doing very good and looking very forward to this very special podcast. I am too, because we have a special guest. Should I introduce him or should you? I think you should have the honors. You think we should try to do it together? <laughs> Let's give it a try. Three, two, one... Tim Teal. Tim Teal. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> One and only Tim Teal. What's up, Tim Teal? How are you today? Hey, guys. How's it going? Good, good. Very, very good. It's so great to have you here. Thank you. Oh, yeah. My pleasure. Most of our listeners are familiar with you, Tim, but let's for the ones that are not, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and, and, uh, and your official title at work? Okay. Yeah, so um, I work at Martin Guitar. I'm the head designer uh, at the company, and um, I've been there for going close to 37 years. Uh, so it's it's a great company. Love working there. What I do in in terms of uh, helping to develop and and forward the company in uh, model design is is one of my passions. So it seems like a good a very good fit. Well, congratulations and congratulations, Steve Martin and company, for having been lucky enough to have you there all these years, uh, designing the guitars and other and other things. Maury and I both go back uh, a long way with you, and um, yeah. So, but I think it would be uh, very nice. Well, like for instance, I'm aware of the fact that uh, that you started there when you were in your teens, if I remember, and that at the same <laughs> yeah. time you started, your grandfather was actually working at Martin Guitars. So maybe you can start and give us a quick overview kind of of the history of your uh, career and rise through the ranks at Martin Guitar. Okay, sure. Yeah, um, I just got out of high school and was working for a contractor for about yeah, close to a year. Uh, maybe not even quite um, a year, but uh, basically, um, 1986, my, my grandfather said, hey, the uh, company's starting to look for people and, you know, working for a contractor was a little bit, you know, sketchy. There was a lot of days you didn't have work and that kind of stuff. And I wanted something steady. And since I, I grew up uh, literally across the street from my grandfather, I've always had, you know, an affinity for Martin Guitar because of his love for the instruments and, and the company and thought, man, this would be great. I've always been like a, a crafty craftsman sort of style person. I always loved working with my hands. So I thought it would be a, a great opportunity and it turned out it really was. So that was in uh, 1986, went in for a job interview. And in fact, when I walked in the front doors, there was a, a little old man uh, right in front of me and he held the door open for me and said, hey, welcome to Martin Guitar. And uh, I didn't know who he was at the time, but it turned out that that was uh, Chris Martin's grandfather, C.F. the Third. Wow! You know, I was I was pretty special. Who was we should point out was chairman of the uh, board at that time. Is that correct? Yes, correct. So he uh, every day that he he would be there, and he was he was close to ninety or in his nineties uh, at that point. Um, he would he would walk around every day that he was there, and um, you know just say hello to everybody. So that was, that was really cool. But went in for my job interview and got hired into strings. 
the first first job I had in strings uh, was tying these little figure eight knots on the end of nylon strings for the ball end, for ball ended <laughs> nylon strings, which are, are quite rare as well these days. But um, I was losing my mind after the first day. I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. And uh, my grandfather <laughs> said, just just hang in there, you know. And uh, very quickly, about two weeks of that, you know, ended up getting a, a job on the ball ending machine, which then quickly led into uh, fixing the ball ending machine because they were very old at the time. And, uh, you know, worked my way uh, in the first few months into a, a mechanic for fixing the machines and then I was able to uh, get a job into manufacturing and there was three jobs available so I put my my bid in for the first job which was inspecting stinger electric guitars so you guys may or may not remember those I forget oh yeah if you do remember those yeah but they were they were an imported line of electric guitars and I thought, how cool would it be to just play electric guitar all day? You know, of course, <laughs> you know, reality it was uh, a lot of uh, setup and and fix fix up some minor issues on them. Did not get that second second job I put in for, which was um, top and back assembly, and I thought it'd be a very very nice job to do, and did not get that job either. What I did get was the third job I put in for, which was uh, neck fitting, and. Um, you know, it was one of the most challenging things in my life to learn, to learn it well and to learn it efficiently. And, um, you know, for the first year, it, it took took a good full year to really become, um, you know, a proficient craftsman for neck fitting and really get the, the chops down on doing it. So when you when you refer to neck fitting, you're talking about yeah. um, fitting the uh, traditional dovetail neck joint into a neck block is that correct and yes yes and getting it the correct angle and and uh, can you just briefly kind yeah. of explain what a neck setter a neck fitter does in terms of uh from the time they get the body and the neck um that have mm -hmm. been go traveling through the factory and are now coming together for the first time in those days, it's a little different than it is now, and um, especially now nowadays. Like if you take the tour today, it pretty much everything except for some custom product will bypass what we would call rough fit, uh, which is the first neck fitting I ever did was rough fit. And rough fit basically, you would open up the dovetail because you got to understand the dovetail was pre-cut into the block. And then the sides would be glued over the block, covering the dovetail. So you'd have to take a dovetail saw and open up that block by hand with a with a dovetail saw to cut through the rosewood and open up that pocket. Once that was cleaned up, you would also then have to flatten uh, the side uh, with a with a sander and a block just to make sure everything was nice and flat on the body. And then you take a neck and the, the early days we were not gluing the, the fingerboard onto the neck and then later we started gluing fingerboards on first and then fitting with the fingerboard on. But the goal was to align the neck to the body so it was perfectly centered and had the correct angle so it would fit a correct bridge once it was ready for glue up at the very end of the assembly line. So lastly, you would cut the heel down to a proper level so the heel plate would line up with the binding edge. That was the, the binding edge that was closest to the rosewood. 
So once that was all done, then you would assign a serial number uh, to the neck that the body would have in it already, and then they go their separate ways uh, into the finishing line. So how many, how much time you, uh, typically would you say it took uh, a craftsperson from start to finish to get it to that point? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, we were allotted 15 minutes per night. Wow. <laughs> and I'm sorry, I thought you said 15 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, and at first, I mean, it can it can take you, you know, close to an hour to to really get it. And also remember that these are pretty precision parts. In the early days, though, they were um, pretty pretty rough because everything was non CNC made. Once the CNC technology came on in the early 90s. And then we also uh, had some other improvements along the way. If, if things were set properly from the machining aspect, you could fit a neck in probably about five minutes, um, you know, as, as a rough fitter. Yeah. So, so, you know, a lot of it has to do with, you know, when guys build their own guitars in, in their home shops and stuff, I mean, you could spend a few hours easily, you know, just uh, getting half halfway done, you know, and, and having a good fit. So, you know, anybody listening, if if you're struggling with neck fitting, you're not alone. Um, <laughs> it is a <laughs> it is a skill that takes a very long time to 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 get it and to get it right. Uh, and and that's why, quite honestly, a lot of companies don't do the traditional compound dovetail. Of course, of course. You know, even Martin, um, in the 90s, we, we had a lower line of guitars that we, we started using a mortise and tenon joint. Mm. And we still use that joint in our um, line of guitars made in our Mexico facility. Um, and, then, and then that transitioned from um, mortise and tenon to a simple dovetail. A number of years ago now, they developed a, a machine that would kind of read all the angles of the neck and body and for the simple dovetails uh, everything was red there was a algorithm that would produce a, a cutting uh, program for both the uh, the body and the neck and then uh, the machine would basically fit the neck and body you know for for cutting and then all the operator had to do was um, you know check it out maybe make a minor tweak or two and then, and then glue it together today come a long way the compound dovetail also now goes through uh, a very similar machine and again except for like some some custom product and authentics that they still get fit by hand but the the machining is quite quite impressive compared to you know anybody else in the industry there there's nobody else nobody in the industry doing this as, as far as i know if if there is i'd, I'd like to know but um, you know it's proudly displayed on tour so if anybody ever gets a chance to visit the factory, um, the operators who run both of the simple dovetail and compound dovetail machines—they're—they're they're quite eager to uh, show and explain how these things work. So it's pretty cool. So, so you started out as a neck setter and eventually mastered that, and then what was? How did you uh, graduate from that to your next job at Martin? I started uh, becoming like a, an assistant manager for top and back assembly. Pearl work, I did did that uh, as well, and a lot of times, you know, I would help out wherever the need was. You know, so back in the day, if there was a repair, 
uh, on the production line, something that could be fixed, I would take care of it. Um, just did a lot of odds and ends along the way. And then there was a, uh, an opening for what was called the pilot plant at the time. And it basically turned into research and development. But the pilot plant was if we were developing as a company, uh, say, a new product such as the D1 back in the 1990s, that pilot plant would, and the pilot plant was literally me and another guy, <laughs> we would, we would uh, take the, um, those parts and kind of get them put together and um, make sure that they were okay for production, you know. And, and really suss out any problems. Eventually, uh, so, some things moved around and jostled around, and um, you know, I was promoted up to head of the research and development group, and then we started you know, getting into a lot of uh, different types of builds and such. Right before that, um, I, I also helped develop the uh, X-Series guitars, and um, you know that that was something at the time that was very controversial because of the the makeup of the material and that's a whole story unto itself but it was a very interesting way of helping me to understand the dynamics of the acoustic parts of the guitar because if you think about the material itself it's really not a great acoustic material and once you understand that then you can figure out ways to to make that material resonate uh, and act more like a natural piece of um, of wood. I'm just going to say for people who are unfamiliar with the X series, uh, the original ones were made entirely of uh, high pressure laminate, which is a combination of uh, resin and, and fiber. As a wood fiber, is that what it's made from? Wood fiber, yeah, yep. And then they also have an upper grade version with a with a solid Sitka spruce top as well. Right. And, you know, at the time when that product was developed, um, you know, we were thinking, ah, oh, you know, we'll do, we'll do maybe a thousand or 2000 a year, you know, and very, very quickly it did take off because it's a great value. Uh, they sound great. They, they are pretty robust for, for, you know, a guitar an acoustic guitar, especially. And a lot of people thought, you know, this would be a great great way to hang a guitar in in a different area of the house I don't have to worry about it I can take it on the road it's it's become a widely accepted uh, platform and 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 that guitar that guitar line lived in Nazareth uh, we, we set up a whole assembly cell for it and that guitar lived in Nazareth um, for about 10 years or so and then it was uh, uh, eventually made sense to, you know, keeping the price point as low as possible, we ended up uh, moving manufacturing to Navajoa uh, so that we could uh, keep the price low. And also we needed room in Nazareth because our higher end product lines have um, taken off as well. So we needed room for a custom shop, you know, expansion of that custom shop and also for standard production. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Yeah, the custom shop has certainly uh, blown up and expanded um, when it was back in the old days when it was really the most experienced workers working on things out on the floor still. And and then the authentic original authentic models kind of was the pilot program of a 
this is going to be its own area for custom instruments. And now it's one of the centerpieces of the factory, which is pretty awesome. And then uh, where did you go from there? Yeah, so after many years in R&D, we had, we had a, a team of guys and, you know, as things move around and, you know, things change over time, uh, I, I ended up uh, having to focus more on instrument design. And, um, you know, we, we kind of sp split the two areas a bit. So my, my focus now and has been for the last, you know, probably 15 years uh, has been instrument design. And then the guys who are uh, truly running the uh, research and development group, their, their focus is more on uh, sound testing of, of either products they find or stuff I even find today. A uh, good example of, of that would be, say, liquid metal for the bridge pins. That was something I came across and uh, didn't have much expectations of it being really good. But, you know, we thought we'll give it a shot. And, um, you know, to everybody's surprise, it, you know, for such a little part on the guitar, it makes such a big difference uh, in, in the tone of the guitar and the output. So that's just one small example. You know, there's other stuff that uh, those guys find and develop. Um, you know, an another recent example is uh, is our Lux pick line. So the the material they found is is a very good material. It lasts a long time. Uh, they developed the own their own uh, proprietary shape of the pick. So there's actually three different sides to it. So it depends, you know, how you how you like your attack. You can get a softer attack, a harder attack. Um, so yeah, it's 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 been a it's been a great experience um, overall. Maybe now is a good time for the trivia question, Tim. I'm not sure how many times you've heard the program, but we're almost 15, 20 minutes into things, and we love to tease our listeners with with a reason to listen to the whole thing, probably. Okay. <laughs> you guys might both know this, but I, I don't know if Spoon knows all this information. I'm going to throw out the weekly trivia question. What year did Mari meet Tim Teal? <laughs> and you get extra points if you know who oh introduced God. us. So okay. stew on that for a little while. We'll bring you back the answer at the end of the program. Fascinating. Spoon, do you think you know? I, I don't think I know. Uh, I will put my memory banks on full uh, research <laughs> in the meantime. <laughs> I should know, and I don't know. <laughs> well, maybe I can make up whatever year I want, but it sounds like earlier in the program we were talking about how old uh, Tim Teal's uh, Mac is, but I think the memory banks in Spoon Phillips' brain are just a little bit older still. So Yeah, just a bit. We'll see who does the spinning pinwheel first. There you go. So, yeah, so that's, that's quite a career, and you have been there. Uh, similar to Dick Boak before you, who's now retired, you saw an amazing passage of years and and change and expansion and modernization. Um, but at the same time, because you were basically, you were there when Chris Martin basically came into his own and, mm -hmm. and really expanded the forward thinking trajectory while also uh, embracing the uh, the vintage and golden era and authentic um, yes idea yeah. of going back to the golden era in a more and more more deeply uh, satisfying way for a lot of us uh, guitar players. Yeah, I, it, that was that was a great privilege in terms of being able to to spearhead a lot of the 
golden era, vintage, um, and, and finally into the authentic lines. And then, you know, the advancements we made along the way, even with the authentic program, it's like, you know, it's not just a matter of taking a guitar out of the museum and, and replicating it, which, which we do obviously. And that's part of the, the program, but how do you, how do you capture what you're hearing? And, you know, that was always uh, elusive because you could, you could the in theory, create a guitar, you know, with the sizes and the wood types and you could, you could get this thing made and then you play it next to one that is 70 or 80 years old and they don't sound the same. And you know, the obvious answer is, Oh, well it just needs to age. And yeah, you know, it would be nice to have a time machine, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> the closest thing we, we came to today uh, for a time machine is, is basically the um, tour faction process that we, we developed uh, with a third party treater. They basically took a look at uh, a soundboard from let's say the 1920s and we, we kept treating new wood until microscopically they, they would align, they would match up. And what the torfaction process does is it removes the, the hemicellulose uh, that's within the cells of the wood without destroying the main structure of the, the wood, wood fibers. So at the end of the day, what you get is, is a product that has that old time, and I like to describe it as kind of a chimey ring that you get off of the older guitars. Uh, you now have that, that, that quality right out of the box. Now, obviously there's other things that need to age naturally, such as the, the lacquer that's on the guitar, the nitrocellulose lacquer, and also uh, some of the uh, adhesives. And with the authentic line, as you guys know, we are using hot hide glue. Uh, so the hot hide glue, as it ages, becomes more, more brittle and less sound absorbing. So that, that helps transfer all of the energy of the string throughout the instrument and uh, really provides uh, you know, that, that sound that everybody's craving. So, yeah, so it's, it's a real interesting, um, example, uh, with, with those products. Now to go in the opposite direction. Um, mm -hmm. well, I was going to start talking about some of the more innovative stuff that would show up on, uh, limited editions and stuff. And then, and then eventually were combined in the modern deluxe. But before we go there, I would like to ask you if you can think of across your design, uh, you know, the, the design projects you've been involved with and eventually uh, were the team leader of and ultimately the head of instrument design. Are there like, I don't know, two or three um, that stand out that you are most proud of or were most excited about and, and happy with how they turned out? Individual models, anything from an artist signature model to a, to a series oh, yeah. or however you want to put it. <laughs> well, you, you know, the, the interesting thing is when I, when I first got into the R and D department and, you know, we've had lots and lots of meetings around, you know, the X series. And I remember distinctly, you know, Chris Martin saying to me, Tim, you know, you're going to come across a lot of adversity, you know, in this role. 
he said, just don't be afraid to fail. And I thought that was great advice because, you know, as you're developing anything, whether it's a guitar or, you know, doesn't matter what it is, in, in the development process, there are failures. And that's how you learn, is by failing. You can think and you can speculate all you want until you actually physically try it. That's that's where the pr proof is, is, is at the end of the day, did it work or didn't it work? And if it did not, then how do you fix it or how do you change it so that it does work? So going through the process of, um, you know, developing the X series, which I'd say that that would be my first, like, you know, that's the one I, I basically cut my teeth on. A, a big, a big, huge project. Um, some before that was finishing up some stuff when I first got in there about the uh, intonation. You know, we got the uh, compensated saddle uh, worked out. So, you know, that was pretty cool too. But as far as guitar development, I think I think the X-Series is, is kind of unique because we were working with uh, materials unrelated to guitar construction and making them work. And, and having a, a functional product line that, that's been for sale since 1998 and is going strong today. So, mm -hmm. so that's, that, that, that'd be my first one just from a, a timing perspective. And I did really, really enjoy kind of the opposite of that, which was, again, trying to replicate what people consider the best guitars in the world, those, those golden era pre-war guitars from the 1930s and 40s um you know there we've learned so much in in developing those guitars from bracing from you know finishing from uh layout and, and um you know some new techniques and then along the way of course playing between both synthetic and natural worlds you you come across uh, materials to kind of blur or blend the two together and you know you mentioned it before the modern deluxe line I think has the potential of being the best of both worlds because the authentic line is awesome they sound great but there's there's things on it that don't address some of the the complaints let's say you know for neck shape you know so they the authentics don't have an adjustable rod, so that's always a you know uh, a hesitation for some folks because if you like a very low action, you know you need to have an uh, an adjustable truss rod so that you can get a better low low action setup. And um, you know we've developed some some product within that guitar, such as the carbon fiber bridge plate, which really uh, adds. Uh, a nice sustain to the guitar uh, and and some other things to go along with that uh, so I think I think as far as my three favorites go I, I would say uh, you know the, the X series um, you know all the development up through the the authentics and the modern deluxe and then lastly would be the um, the the very new thing we just came out with a few years ago which is the um, the SC guitar and um, that's proven to be um, a very unique guitar for a lot of different people for a lot of different reasons.
you know, the, uh, the tagline that our marketing folks came, came up with is no limits. And it basically allows the player to access the entire fretboard on a full size acoustic guitar. So that's, that's new for the industry, really. In addition to being Martin's first 13 fret guitar and first heelless guitar. So, and it's, you can't really say it's an electric guitar neck because that the whole feel of it when you get up there is, is unique as well as the, the helical, uh, uh, shape to the neck. Um, yeah, really, yeah. uh, yeah, I mean, I remember the first time I got to play play one in your office when they were still in development and was really kind of shocked coming from a traditionalist standpoint how much I enjoyed it immediately <laughs> and, how, and, and how fun it was and how well it worked. Uh, and, you know, and, they, um, and, the, and particularly the, the original model, how well it worked in terms of, you know, for an electric guitarist to be able to take the plug out of their electric guitar, plug in into an acoustic guitar, and um, with the most uh, almost freakish balance to it, because of the because of how the how the weight is just absolutely centered at that uh, where the neck and the body meet, and so so you know it just hangs there on on the strap and doesn't slide up or down and all that stuff. So yeah, it was all very exciting. And then finally, recently, you came out with the 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 first released. Uh, solid wood version um this just recently so uh, that has has had to have uh, gotten you some pretty uh, good reviews i assume yeah obviously the first release as you guys know uh was the sc13e uh, that was a price driven decision to to get a uh, guitar with a lot of uh features at a at a very specific price point and for us to do that, it had to be within the Mexico product line. You got to understand from the concept of this thing to the actual launch it was probably about a four-year development time. Um, hmm. You know, and and you know, early on in development, things things usually take a slower pace because we're we're focusing on body shape. You know, because once once the shape is there. You know, now you can start looking at how how it's physically going to go together, and then that leads you down some other roads. But you do not want to rush the shape because there's a lot of time and investment to go after a product once the shape is done. And um, as as we started developing it, you know, we we started forming a, a team at a certain point to to really dig into some of the the top issues or not top as in guitar top, but so, so some of the main issues, which was, okay, the shape shape's pretty cool. We finally got that to the point where everybody was digging it. And then now we got to fit a neck to the, <laughs> to the body. And um, <laughs> the original way I thought to do it was to actually create two halves of a guitar out of solid chunks of wood and kind of clamshell them together so that we could experiment with uh, neck attachment. And as we started going in that direction, it became pretty apparent that um, our, our normal dovetail application is, it would not be the best way to pursue it. When we started actually getting into the, you know, let's say nuts and bolts of the, the SC, it was like, okay, you know, one of, the, one of the things is, you know, Martin's known for being a dovetail company. And, um, 
we wanted to really maintain that. And even though it, it's a modular neck, you know, and it, it became pretty apparent early on that, you know, a, a bolt or a, um, a glued in neck wasn't the best fit for, for the design. So we wanted to go into a direction of, okay, this is going to be a modular neck. Okay, but it still has to be a dovetail. And then you start, you know, scratching your head and thinking, okay, well, you know, I think we can do this, which also meant that we needed to create some very unique custom parts. And uh, then, of course, you got to source those parts. You know, you got to make sure uh, you got everything set in line to, to produce these. How repeatable is it? You know, so it became it became a multi-layered, uh, multi-team project, and I think it's you know to date, I'd say it was the most complex and the most involved guitar development we did uh, in the company that I I could ever remember. I, I don't think anything has uh, gotten uh, that many people involved in in the company. So it was it was really good. And, you know, obviously the, the first ones were made in Mexico. We just launched the, the uh, Custom in Nazareth. And, um, you know, we wanted to, to show, show the world that, hey, this is not just a fine veneer uh, guitar made in Mexico. We can also do this as a solid wood guitar made in Nazareth. And we actually added a feature to it, which is actually a patented part of the, the soundboard. We're calling it an internal recurve. So some of the soundboard is removed and it, it goes from like nothing down to a certain point and then kind of swoops back up. Uh, it's a compound recurve basically on the bass side of the instrument to allow the bass to flex or allow the top to flex a little bit more on the bass side to get some of the bass response back from the shape of the body. And what I mean by that is the shape of the SC is asymmetrical. Obviously it um, has less area on the bass side of the guitar. So that means the, the soundboard can't vibrate as much. Which, you know, if you're looking for a very um, smooth linear uh, guitar, you know, they're great for recording. But it did not have that Martin uh, boom that we're, we're known for. So we wanted to add some of that back into our solid wood models, meaning the first one coming out. So we developed this. Uh, <laughs> we developed uh, this. He said plural. <laughs> you did say plural. I know nothing. <laughs> I see nothing. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so any solid wood guitar that you see coming out uh, of Nazareth will have this uh, internal top recurve on it as a plus. So, yeah, good stuff. Tim, when you say recurve, does that almost mean that you scallop the top, not the brace, or am I hearing that wrong? You, you're half correct. Um, yeah, we're just talking about the, the soundboard. And yes, you could think of it like a, um, a scalloping of the inside of the sound, soundboard wow. uh, around the bass area. Yeah. So it's, I, I don't think a lot of people know about it because we didn't really do a lot of uh, marketing hype around that patent. But um, yeah, it does, add, it does add a bit more bass response uh, to the guitar. Uh, compared to you know not having it, so 
it's a it's a pretty cool little feature. And you mentioned that was almost a four-year process from the beginning of the SC to when it was first introduced. Are you allowed to tell us at any point, was there any opportunity that was actually going to fall and just fall apart and not come to fruition? Every project has that possibility, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, so... Like, did you guys ever get to the point where this might this isn't going to work, we're almost just going to give up? Yeah, we've we've done that on several things, um, and it, you know sometimes it's not not based on the failure of of the product or the development of it. Sometimes it's just a you know decision made that maybe it's not the right timing uh, hmm. for for such a thing. Um, but you know um, we're always we're always looking to get the right product out to the consumer base at the right time. Um, you know, the, the super recent thing that just popped and I think you guys might've seen this is the, uh, the super dreadnought. Um, Ooh, I was gonna, yeah. I wasn't sure if I was allowed to ask you about that yet. So is that out of the bag now? Have you guys announced this? Well, it's, it's been announced on social, um, and it's launching, uh, right now ex exclusively for, uh, a certain, uh, certain dealers. Um, so it's a very, it's, you know, it's, it's basically a custom expert product. Uh, eventually it will make its way into, um, you know, the regular product line, but that's going to be a little while. Um, but that guitar in particular was designed for people who, you know, for a long time, there's, there's been some, some chatter around small guitars and everybody wants a small guitar and, you know, so we we just thought as a company, wouldn't it be great to go and do the opposite? Let's do a big guitar, you know. <laughs> and uh, Fred Green in particular, we were chatting one day and he's just like, you know, he goes, I was thinking about, you know, some of the conversations we were having. And it, I just think, you know, now's the right time for a larger dreadnought. And I'm like, oh, this is this is great because I've, I was already working on some ideas for um, doing like a combination of a, a D12 fret body with a, a 14 fret neck. So I knew it could work. I knew there was um, room and, you know, the bracing layout and all that stuff. So, so basically the, the Super Dreadnought body is a 14 fret design, but it's enlarged to the point where if you measure from the front block to the rear block, um, that that distance is about the same distance as a um, as a D12 fret, but because it's in the shape of a 14 fret and it's enlarged uh, to to that point, you you get a uh, a different profile. And everybody, you know, at first they they oh well that's that's going to be way too big. It's it's literally not that big, but the sound benefit you get out of it is pretty amazing. Um, we measured up to 11 or 12 decibel bump or bass uh, on the bass side. It, wow. It's, yeah, so it's, it's, it's a boomer. Um, and then so Scott Sasser was able, uh, he was looking for a product to, to uh, get to the, the custom expert dealers, and he was looking to do something different and unique. And uh, we weren't quite ready to launch the Super Dreadnought um, just because of, you know, everything that was going on with COVID and, and the way the products were, were, you know, we couldn't keep up production. Obviously, it was, uh, you know, everything was in high demand. 
So we decided to uh, to do a basically a slower launch, which that put it into the custom expert uh, hands. And um, yeah, they're they're just really unique guitars in terms of um, how they sound. So you know, Maury, our friend from Hawaii, Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, he contacted me because uh, he he heard about it through social on uh, I think Thursday. And uh, he was just like, "Hey, hey, brother, let me uh, let me slack <laughs> one of these puppies, you know." <laughs> oh, that thing in slack key would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I told him. I said it is is probably a really good slacker, you know, for uh, Hawaiian music. So he's oh, he's looking really? forward to trying one out. Yeah. Well, as we know, with the Kialoa, uh, is that the correct pronunciation? They uh, uh, the, the Kialakai, yeah. Kialakai, yeah. That that in a way. It's kind. It was. It was not a fourteen fret, but that was. You know, that was kind of the point of the Hawaiian music to have that giant sound chamber. Now, I just dug out here uh, some notes I have from October twenty twenty, talking to you about this project, and it's interesting because it says here that you were looking at maybe summer twenty twenty three. So, mm -hmm. uh, which gives people an idea of like, how, how long these things uh, come out, you know. Um, and it already had, by that time, it was basically, uh, you know, your, you, what you had come up with was already there. The, the multicolor herringbone trim that's unique yeah. to this, um, some of the other features of this. But then, you know, I hadn't heard from it for a while. And I, uh, as, you know, Mara was asking about uh, some of these projects just not come out. And that's, you know, and I imagine sometimes that, or they get put off or whatever. But then uh, you surprised me by when I show up at the factory in August and you take me straight to your office and put one of them in my hands. <laughs> and uh, actually both, you know, the two different wood, woods. And um, and I really was not prepared. You know, I've, I've played uh, big, you know, those big 12 fret dreadnoughts, you know, and all the time over the years. And, um, and also like the Norman Blake models, that that is a kind of the opposite. Of, of having a kind of a 14 fret body with a 12 fret neck or however those were and mm -hmm. um, things like that, that were kind of combining the ideas and this is taking it in the opposite direction. And it's, it's a, they're mammoth sounding. Uh, they're just really uh, for people who want to have always want their Martins turned up to 11, uh, like in <laughs> you know, sort of the spinal tap idea. This is the guitar for them. I can tell you. Wow. Well, so. the rosewood sounds really good too, but for some reason that koa seems to be uh, where everybody's gravitating to, and um, we got one of each to the tenacious D uh, guys, you know, Jack Black <laughs> and Kyle Gass. Excellent. Yeah, so I I heard they were loving them, and uh, they they posted something online uh, recently about it as well. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty fun. Well, without giving away any, any trade secrets, Tim, because I know we're not allowed to, to put anything on tape here that's uh, no wine before it's time, so to speak. That's right. Is there anything in the pipeline right now that we already admitted it might be two, three, four years until it comes out? Is there anything right now in your back pocket that you were just totally ecstatic about and you can't wait to get it out there? <laughs> yeah, there's there's probably about three or four things right now. Um you know, it's either it's either a product extension or new development for sustainable wood um, projects um, that that we're looking at. You know, yeah. So there, yeah. Without giving 
too much away. There's yeah, there's there's some really cool stuff coming. But excellent. And again, the stuff we have out right now is just amazing. You know, I think you know, we talked about before the golden era of guitar making back in the nineteen thirties and forties, and I, I think this is the second golden era. Uh, for guitar making and uh, the stuff that's available today is just phenomenal. That's impressive. Yeah, you're not alone. You're not the first person to say that. Certainly uh, in public about that, about the guitar making, not just at Martin, but just in the around the world in general. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a, uh, acoustic guitars, electric guitars, but but for acoustic guitar fans, the options, uh, particularly when uh, people are looking at the you know solid wood, finely crafted guitars. But even the inexpensive ones, Chris uh, uh, had said, uh, Martin the Fourth had said several years ago that you know fifty percent of the guitar uh, acoustic guitar market in the world is under five hundred dollars, and maybe that's gone up a little bit now. But you're still talking about uh, when you're talking about your X series and your Road series; these are completely different animals from uh, the guitars that used to be. You know, when you think of the Sears and Roebuck kind of guitars and stuff like that, that <laughs> that people were spending not a lot of money on, um, they're yes, just a, it's a completely different universe in terms of quality and tone and and uh, and that the musicality of the modern yeah. the guitars out there. Yeah, and you know, given given the advancements in machining and. Um, yeah, there's there's some just advancements in in the factory in terms of uh, manufacturing advancements even in the past year that that are pretty amazing and again I don't want to I don't want to give give those out prematurely but uh, if you get if you get a chance to get to the factory you'll you'll see what I'm talking about you'll see some of this stuff and uh, those things alone are going to open up some new doors down the road you know and let mm. let your imagination run wild but yeah, I'd say I'd say we're just at the cusp of this new new wave of doing some things, and um, yeah, I mean from the guitar side of things, especially on the acoustic side, you know the it's it's a bright future coming up. Um, so yeah, stay tuned. <laughs> indeed, indeed. We have some listeners that have been emailing me off and on uh, even long before this podcast was born, and they're often asking questions about electronics and when you go to Martin. A lot of Fishman offerings, and recently we've mm -hmm. we've got some choices from LR Bags. Again, without right. saying any trade secrets or giving away information that shouldn't be spoken about, can I ask you off the record, have you personally been looking at other opportunities and other manufacturers for some pickups down the road, or is that something we can't talk about? Well, I can't I can't give you any specifics, but yes, there we're we're always looking for you know innovative um, electronics. You know, we have partnered with great folks like Fishman, you know, the development of Aura, Maury, as, as you know, you were early on in that, right? Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Tim process. Perry and I had a lot of fun beta testing a lot of that stuff. Uh, yeah. And, um, <laughs> you know, the, the recent iterations of Aura, they're calling it now Aura HD, as in high definition Aura. Uh, every development cycle, you know, when we, we chose what new guitar would have the Aura image, put into it um you know those go up to fishman we get them we get them voiced uh they select probably eight or ten really high quality studio microphones to develop each image 
And then we go up and select, in this case, now with Aura Blend, there's one image that you can blend in, in or out of the system. And we select that best image, you know, and it's a tedious process. It takes us a couple days to do it for, for just a handful of guitars. And, um, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a complicated product, it, you know, to the end consumer, it's, it's not complicated at all. You got literally a volume, uh, a sweeping tone control and a blend control between this really incredible sounding aura image and the under saddle pickup and you know Maury as you know playing out live sometimes you need more of the under saddle pickup uh, to cut through and then other times when you're sitting in your studio and you're recording you can go you know now 100% to aura and it sounds like you're in front of a great microphone yeah so so all of that stuff's awesome we also and you know and, and let me just say this too that it's an awesome product. Uh, we put it in a product line that it makes sense for. So right now it's it's concentrated in the um, modern deluxe, you know, because of um, you know it's not it's not a cheap product. You know, you're paying for a professional grade product and a professional grade guitar. But if you're looking for other solutions that uh, require a lower cost, then you know we have we have stuff from. Um, uh, not only Fishman, but you know, LR Bags, they have some really nice product out there as well. You know, that's another solution. We, we do look at other products. You know, we've, we've evaluated some of the other brands that are out there. Years ago, we, we ran some product from Roland Electronics. We ran some product from um, Misai. So, yeah, we're always looking to see what's available and what, what fits the best for um, our product line at the time. And I hinted earlier about the trivia question and when we first met, <laughs> yeah. and it's centered completely around pickups. Uh, I'm not sure if, if Spoon's going to remember some of these details because this was actually before I met him. Why don't we go in order and answer that trivia question? What year did Mari meet Tim Teal? Okay, Spoon, you guess first. I, well, let me ask you this. Remind me, when, what year did this shop open? No, 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 no. Just answer the question. No, no, no. I got to put my, uh, the, the, uh, the grand opening was happened in 2006? 2003. 2003. Okay. So then I will guess 2001. Okay. I'm going to let Tim guess. Tim, when did we okay. meet? And I just need to know what your, your uh, wife gifted you the, um, the famous OM guitar. <laughs> Well, that's going to give away a lot of the answer, but that was Christmas, nineteen ninety-eight. <laughs> oh, wow! Okay, so I, I'm I'm going to guess I met you somewhere around ninety-eight, ninety-nine. <laughs> <laughs> well, you shouldn't guess. You should just know that because that should be one of the most important days of your life. <laughs> But yes, that's it, right. It, that's right. <laughs> it had to be January, February of 99. I remember getting my guitar in, of course, December of 98, going way, way back into Nesquehoning history. Uh, my neighbor, if we want to talk about the 70s and 80s, Angelo O'Meal. I know him a lot longer than I know both of you guys. And he said, listen, if you need to put a pickup in your OM20AV, you got to see Tim Teal. 
I said, what do you mean? He's like, I'm telling you. And he was so like so dramatically serious. You got to see Tim Teal. Just trust me. And he introduced us. And uh, and I, I won't I won't make Spoon guess what the pickup was, but I had the glued in saddle, of course, back then. And Tim recommended I get the Fishman Rare Earth Blend. And that was the very first pickup in my guitar. And that's how we met. Yeah. Well, you know. Yeah. Well, I had my I, I had the OM eighteen V, and a later and shortly after I got a used OM twenty eight V. So I used the same pickup because of the glued in saddles. Wow. See that? Yeah. So it was a good recommendation then, I guess, huh? <laughs> yes, it was. I somehow we Spoon and I knew we wanted to be like each other, and that's just how that goes together. <laughs> well, you know, um, I forgot Angelo was the guy who turned turned you on um to me at the time but uh, i just wanted to give a shout out to angelo because he's he's still working at the factory um i i run across him t from time to time and i know he uh you know lives up our way here and um he's, he's a great guy he does a lot of the uh programming for for a lot of our our custom machines and some of the cnc stuff so oh, wow. he's 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 been a, a a really really good asset for the company, uh, and and has contributed greatly to to all these new products we were talking about over the years. So, special shout out to Angelo Meal. Thank you. Yes, sir, Angelo. If you're listening, thanks for setting us in the right trajectory, and I'm so glad we all met. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So I think I want to I want to uh, as we start to wind this down. I know uh, you gave up yet another beautiful day. I hope you were able to get a ride in before uh, this. But I think what's really on everybody's mind is when Tim Teal rides. What is Tim Teal's ride? What am I riding? <laughs> <laughs> Wait for it. Okay. <laughs> well, today I rode my Ducati Multistrada V4S Sport. I knew it. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a it's a new class of motorcycle called a sport adventure bike. <laughs> wow. Well, seems fitting. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it was a uh, it was a good ride today. But what about you, Spoon? What were you riding today? What was I riding today? I was riding the uh, B61 bus um, <laughs> as, as I was coming home from my sister's with a bag full of video equipment and uh, was taking the, the bus up the hill in Brooklyn. I want to thank both of you guys for taking a couple hours out of a beautiful fall day here in Pennsylvania to join us again. This has been a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Look forward to the next go around. It's been a blast. Thank you so much. And um, see you guys at the factory. You bet. From all of us at Maury's Music, thanks for listening. Hear you later. This has been a presentation of Maury's Music, your trusted source for Martin and Blue Ridge guitars. Find us online at maurysmusic.com. Music.com.